Yeah, let's just do the intro. Hello and welcome to From the Rooftops, a podcast about superheroes. That's Clay. That's Talon. And How many your hand up my butt jokes do you think every puppeteer has in their repertoire? You know, when they get when they get like trapped, they just make one of those out of nowhere. Do they know that'll hit? It it it's very hokey. Like, uh, f- forgive me for some insider knowledge here, but the hand up your ass joke is usually seen as like uh uh the karaoke piano man thing. Mm. Like, it, you know, you can do it, but it's a sign that you're dying and everyone else is going to recognize how bad it is. It's, it's not, it's not actually funny either, because you have, because you have to make the same jokes over and over again. Anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, yes, we, we, uh, we are back. We are setting up a schedule. Hopefully this will be one of many podcasts coming out. Uh, but, 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 uh, there is some big news in the world um, that has happened recently that, you know, we kind of probably should comment on, which is um, the 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 you know, closed down game um, City of Heroes that Clay and I had a lot of opinions on seems to be back-ish, kinda, maybe. Um, we're not planning on doing anything like in-depth on... You know, here is the new, here is the game. It is back, and we're going to talk about a heap, about it for a heap until things are very stable and we have some degree of confidence. Like it's been at, at the at this point, I think it's been two months. Uh, yo, another one of the servers, the uh, independent servers, shut down. Yeah, due to so it's like okay, well that's it. You know, <laughs> that's something to look at, something to keep in consideration. Yeah, like. We we want to be sure that we're not going to have to immediately do an autopsy rather mm. than uh, uh, an actual "Hey, here's a game we love, come and play it" kind of thing. Like I I don't want to I don't want to dive in on hyping that. I I in fact I was actually going to to leave this whole thing alone entirely for much longer, but because I work at a university now and I was well known um, about making a case about how important City of Heroes was, like culturally and emotionally. Oh yeah, they weren't gonna let you leave that alone. Yeah, I I actually had my PhD supervisor come to me and nudge me in the ribs and like, uh, yeah, so uh, you wanna you wanna you wanna do like a scholarly article about uh, um, um, uh this uh, city of heroes situation? I'm like, well, fine, I guess I'll, I guess I have to go play superheroes for a bit for work. <laughs> it's just to advance humanity. I'm oh. sorry, <laughs> but otherwise I was gonna leave it alone because I was just. I was just genuinely expecting that it would vaporize tomorrow, kind of thing. Uh, I mean, that that sword is ever swinging, right? Yeah, it's it's entirely possible that someday, uh, in the coming weeks, a ten cent um, executive has a shitty day and calls the wrong person, and all this fun people are having gets taken away again. Uh, and oh that's God, not- is that them now? Is this uh, is this another epic game story and I didn't know about it? <laughs> so so not necessarily like so so just to clarify, um the previous the, the current owner of NCSoft is a company called Nexon. Nexon, yeah. This year, two shareholders of Nexon, which is to say the current majority shareholder and his wife, are looking to sell their stock. Between them, they have 98% of the stock of Nexon, and they are looking to sell to Tencent. So, that's that connected web. But I'm an English-speaking person talking about a business deal that is already pretty private between a South Korean business and a Chinese business. So, it, it, it could be City a lot of City Heroes coming to the Epic Games Store exclusively in 2020. Uh, yeah, like... Possibly, Jesus, maybe Jesus. we don't know. Um, so, so, wow, and, and like wow. I said, this is all this is all very thorny because, like, like this, it would be it would be incredibly gauche of me to use this podcast as an opportunity to set to basically get into a fight on Discord with someone about how their superhero is designed, and then record a ninety minute podcast about how these idiots should do things the way I want them done. Oh, uh, what was wrong I, with this? I, I want to hear the story. <laughs> we'll we'll get don't run don't that. run you put it out there 
someone has mentioned a Hulk analog to me, and I have opinions about that. And now we are moving on, and we will talk about it another time. So speaking I of imagine the I'm Hulk, making, I I I greatly enjoy the Hulk. I have mm. very strong feelings about the Hulk. Oh yeah, I have I have opinions about how other people perceive and enact the Hulk. But moving on, because that's not what we were going to talk about. I was trying uh, to segue in the actual topic. I wasn't. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't pressuring you. I'll do that. <laughs> Off microphone. <laughs> it says a lot because I forgot what the topic was going to be. Um, so what we've done this time is we're trying to have a little more of a, a focus on our on our topics. Uh, we wrote them out, we planned, and then we immediately lost the plan. Oh yeah, there was uh, <laughs> some issues. We lost like yeah. two and a half episodes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, for for anyone who wonders like where we've been, uh, we have had three episodes recorded and. Something deliritous has happened to each one. Looking at the time, I've had two jo- different jobs since the last recording, so there's that. Well, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, it, three it jobs, because been... I've always had the one, but... <laughs> I think it's almost been a year. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, some shit. Yeah, life's difficult, man. Yeah, All and kinds of like, things, this but... isn't... This isn't because we don't love doing this, this isn't because this isn't a cool <laughs> podcast to do. That's Ellie asking once again for Revolution. Mm-hmm. I'm not editing it out anymore. Hell with no, that's, it. Anyway, that's actually um, content. But that, so 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 we haven't like abandoned you. We haven't been trying to avoid this this topic or this project. We freaking love this stuff. And with things like the X Men movies, kind of sort of wrapping up, and uh, oh, man, the that thing is depressing. The the Netflix apocalypse. And the end of Marvel phase a thing, and the beginning of Marvel phase another thing. Like, there's a lot to talk about, and I've seen Infinity War now, and I'm real angry about it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have we have we have material. It's just been a matter of like getting the material out there and getting ready to go. Oh, and, and go on. to beat to, to beat you off at the pass. Yes, we do know about that hat that Mahershala Ali wore. <laughs> We don't know anything else besides there's a hat and a logo. Uh, I think you mean to head you off at the pass. You don't. No, I don't. Off. No, I don't. <laughs> okay. Okay. You're okay, my friend. Okay, Andrews. In a way, it's really interesting the way that the, the characters that one actor has played get to be carried along in the other characters that actor has played, and they bring bits of that experience on to the next incarnation of whatever it is they do, much like some sort of ethereal or inhuman passenger. Mm. Wow. Seamless! <sighs> yeah, I, I, that's, the, that's the sound of a muscle being pulled, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, uh, this week, our, uh, our premise is we want to talk about the passenger as a character in superhero stories. Mm. Hey, Clay. Hmm. What the hell are we talking about? Um, so in this case, we're talking about situations where you have, uh, two distinct characters inhabiting one being or one body. Uh, this, you know, your, this example is like symbiotes and possessions and ghosts and possibly split identities, depending on how you want to, you know, yeah. write or finagle that. So this yeah. means there's probably a Moon Knight connection in there somewhere. Yeah, a, a, uh, obligatory friend of the podcast, Moon Knight, was going to come up. And, and there, it is, it is worth putting up a kind of an asterisk clause here that this is the kind of conversation that inevitably draws on a, a narrative space, uh, that can get, pretty rough for certain uh mental health issues um like i said moon knight um where i have some friends who are plural i have some friends who have like medically diagnosed dissociative identity disorder um and like as far as i know none of them have secret identities that are superheroes um one one friend recently said it's it's not exactly a good way to be a superhero but it is a good way to forget that you need milk a lot Mm. Um, so we're, we're going to be talking about this stuff, but it, it's definitely heightened reality of nonsense superhero comics. And, you know, there's going to, there's going to be points where characters are described as crazy, which is like, that's the, that's the term that they use for it. And it's definitely not a good reflector of like actual 
real world mental health problems. Uh, so yeah. I guess just kind of like generalized content warning in that for the most part, when this stuff is treated as mental, it tends to get demonized and vilified, which isn't cool. Yeah. I mean, there's also the issue of, uh, like, <laughs> this, this connects a bit. Like, I remember hearing about the sort of, like, uh, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The possession craze that happened after The Exorcist, where, like, yeah. you know, Exorcist was like a dying thing, and then after that movie, lots of people were trying to get exorcisms. Meanwhile, Various, around the same time, there was a multiple personality disorder craze where, where people were getting massively overdiagnosed for it around the same time. And there, obviously, like, in this situation, you're seeing a lot of parallels of people trying to externalize their problems and, you know, going for a fad reason to do that, you know? Yeah. And, um, I've been, I've been reading a bunch of, uh, early 2000s gaming textbooks textbooks like rule books like dungeons and dragons and stuff and one of the one of the funny like it is kind of funny um because it kind of shows the way that they think of these things but one comically common idea they keep bringing up is the idea of multiple personalities as woo spooky and it, it was very much um in the 90s uh perhaps due to things that edward norton starred in uh generally <laughs> things we're not gonna talk about <laughs> well i mean he's that's the thing you go you go check out edward norton and i can think of three different movies where like the whole point is edward norton going i've got multiple personalities and in one of them it's the hulk <laughs> and yeah let's talk about the hulk in relation to this i mean <laughs> I, what one final one final point on this whole multiple personalities thing though one thing i will say is in the heightened reality of comics everything can be related to superpowers um so the idea of like a plural character like it would be nice to see moon knight written by someone who has a better handle on this than anyone who's never dealt with it uh because i would just like to point out that in comics there is a group not not one but there is a group of deadly jugglers Mm, as opposed to the jugglers in real life or just kind of scruffy the uh the the deadly jugglers by the way were called the death throws that's not bad that's not bad i like that (laughs) (laughs) i'm Uh, I'm with that and uh they had the name they had members of their members were ringleader bombshell oddball knickknack and tenpin and they're pretty much where bullseye came from but so so just like the idea that this ordinary thing that I deal with in my day-to-day basis, uh, you know, is being treated like a superpower, that's because everything can become a superpower. Yeah. Anyway. Well, the main fucking, you know, what's Rain Man and all that shit, they do that every day. They do that in, you know, non-superhero fiction. Where they'll pick yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, where, uh, ASD is mm. generally treated as, like, it's either a massive roadblock that ruins the life of your family and everyone around you and only them or it's a superpower that means you're incredibly good at math this is birds of prey villain named savant oh (laughs) yeah but (sighs) pulling another muscle getting this back in topic uh yeah like that that basically consider this a kind of a content warning we're going to talk about some stuff where comics have done some shitty things hmm they're, so, yeah, they, this idea of passengers, um, most, like, well-known and popular example is to say is Venom, right? You have two... Yeah. And, like, this brings up the He's question, the horny like, goop monster everyone loves to love. Mm, the lethal protector. And or the <laughs> wiggling... The booty wiggling character from Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Uh, the, the googly eyes goop. Uh, yes. But so that's the thing, right? So, that's a, that's a kind of, you know, thing to compare, like, Venom and Carnage, right? Like, Carnage is fully integrated. Carnage is I. Venom is we. Right? And that's a point, that's a point of, like, one of the things that keeps them from being, like, less villainous, right? Because, like, Venom still has some of his humanity. And there's a whole thing about Yeah, this, Venom, like, Venom can have an argument between Venom and Eddie, whereas Carnage, there's, like, I know with enough mental dredging I could find the name, but Carnage doesn't really have a name that isn't Carnage anymore. Yeah, Cleves Cassidy. Yeah, thanks. 
uh, to, to get, like, to put it on a scientific level, uh, vi- Carnage can, may or may not be able to be separated anymore. Like, I think during Maximum Carnage, he revealed that the symbiote became his blood. Like, not just, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why like, not? He was, he was like, ah, I'm not doing anything. And then they cut him and Carnage came out. Right? <laughs> They're like, oh no, it, it, it's not gone. It's in me. It's all over. It's, you know, I'm just, I am, we are, yeah, sorry. I am yeah. Carnage. That's the thing, right? How much does, how sapient is the, is the symbiote on a given day? Like, it, it, and let's exclude, like, the writers. Cause, like, in the movie, the symbiote, Venom, is a talking ass motherfucker. It will come out and put a face at Venom so they can chat. So that, yeah. that's a fully sapient being. But then, like, that comes uh, and that, goes and, 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 that, and that extrusion, by the way, of a face is an interesting thing because that's a creative act. That's, mm. I want to talk to you this way. This is a convenient way to talk to you about what a loser I am. <laughs> have you seen that? Have you gone through that yet? No. How much solo Venom stuff have you ever touched? Um, so embarrassingly, like, there was a period where I aggressively consumed Venom-related stuff that I could acquire for free, which mm. means, first, I did download a lot of pirated solo Venom stuff, but also I read a lot of Venom fanfiction, and yeah, let's just move on. Is this... Is this snared research, or is this something else? Oh, oh, no. There's, defi- there's definitely... You can claim it. You can, you, can, of... you can give yourself that out if you want to. I'm trying to help you out here. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's not research, because this predates snared by a long length of time. But, uh, Snared, the character, definitely borrows from a period where I was basically marinating in people writing about symbiotes. Fan writing about symbiotes. Um, and I've said in the past that all creative work comes from a place of horny or spite. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people's writing about Venom comes from horny, and mine came from spite, where I basically stood around going, You're all doing it wrong, you ding-dongs. Here, let me make a proper symbiote monster boy. Mm-hmm. But he was anyway. pretty. Oh god, yeah, he was hot. Anyway. <laughs> no, anyway, that... the, uh, the idea of the passenger, the idea of a character who contains a secondary character, and that there is an actual relationship between them, and it can be antagonistic, it can be collaborative, it it can even be uh, uh, almost paternal. There was a movie recently um, which built on this. It was It's kind of funny that just before Venom came out, there was this movie that was basically better Venom with uh, an AI. A, a, a guy got an AI planted in his body. Uh, that Was that like like that action horror-y thing? Uh, upgrade yeah. or something like that? Yeah, uh, I think it was Upgrade or Rebuild. No, it was Upgrade, yeah. i that. I just uh, seen like a clip where he just like, it, like, assumes direct control, and it goes and kills a bunch of dudes who were trying to hurt him. Yeah, the, like, the, the premise at the root of the movie is the AI in his body and connected to all his things wants just to do what's right. It's like, it's an AI. I am here to serve the host of the body. Your, this is your body. What do you want? And he was like, I want to be safe. And so the thing's like, okay, cool. I'll twist this man's head off and chuck it out a window because that will keep you safe. <laughs> and... Like, that's a different attitude. Like, Venom, as a character, often very much indulges in violence, and Eddie is, nowadays, Eddie is holding Venom back, and there's, like, this question of how much can Venom do stuff? Like, you know, it, it's an element of keeping it reined in, whereas the AI was very much, no, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely don't want to overstep your boundaries. I am, I am here to serve you. Uh, and that's a very different kind of passenger. Um, Jarvis from Iron Man doesn't really do the same thing because Jarvis isn't with uh, uh, Tony when he's flying around. Like, Jarvis isn't home. Jarvis is just remotely accessing the stuff. He's so, like Oracle, So Jarvis basically. is safe. It's, it's, like, it's like if your Oracle was a robot, you know? Yeah, which, by the way, is a waste of an Oracle slot. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of who would even fit in that slot. Because Oracle is her own whole character, Clay. I, I, She's not <laughs> out of the bat belt. I'm just saying. You know what? Jarvis just supports my case, doesn't he? The existence of Jarvis just <laughs> just makes my case stronger. Jarvis is Alexa. Jarvis plays Despacito. 
Jarvis is apparently going to have a TV show with uh, what, 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 what's the girl's name? Not I don't want to call her wa- uh, Wanda, I, I, but I forget the name of the actress. <laughs> I think she, I, I think I'm, I think it's Olsen something, and I'm like not one of the I, twins. Certainly not. I'm just, I'm just waiting for you to wind your way through this because what the hell? <laughs> There's going to be a WandaVision like uh, show on Disney Plus or whatever. Oh goody! Oh goody! The Vision. <sighs> All right, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Other people can have their thing. I'm not trying to yuck their yum. Even they're generally quite boring and tedious yum. Anyway, so um, the passenger is like as a device. I love the passenger. Um, this is probably connected to my own childhood upbringing, where we were like told that like yeah, no, there actually is a person who lives inside you, and they're watching everything you're doing, and they're judging you. Mm. Um, and and. Like, in my case specifically, we were told something to the effect of, like, there's God, and he surveillances everything you do, no matter what, uh, and you ask Jesus into your heart, and then Jesus lives inside you, and, like, Jesus, when you do something wrong, Jesus is holding up his hand to God, and like, no, no, don't hurt him! And, like, like that's kind of the actual model of reality that I was taught. Uh, so, for me, the passenger and the idea of, of having a secondary symbiosis with another entity that you could, like, talk to and, and have conversations with was really cool because that's how it was presented and it never worked that way um so yeah yeah it's just <laughs> just some messed up protestant uh uh metaphysics there uh, it's it's uh <laughs> that dynamic is interesting especially when we're talking about like venom because like you think like you know venom is a character who flips back and forth on the morality scale and so is the hulk in that way and it's always that, like, free out for anybody in that setting, because it's like, oh, that wasn't Bruce, that was the Hulk. Oh, that wasn't Eddie, that was the symbiote, you know? Yeah, and, and it's a great saving throw for the authors as well, because the authors can, like, we know, we've know we talked about this past, authors have arguments, and those arguments are not expressed in just rooms where they talk to one another, they're also just written to comics, so... Mm-hmm one author will get their hands on a character and they will write it the way they think it should have been written as a sort of back and forth with other writers. And sometimes that's amazing and it leads to some really cool stuff. Um, and sometimes it leads to, you know, is Colossus gay or not over the course of many years of comics? Mm-hmm. It'd be nicer than him in his relationship with Kitty because that's not... Yeah. There's a there's a lot of stuff that doesn't work out very nicely right now in comics. Um, anyway, so so the notion of the passenger as like there's lots of different ways you could do this. Um, to we just started with Venom because Venom is probably the most high profile example of this archetype that's anywhere right now. Yeah. Um. The other one that you've probably seen a lot of recently is Blue Beetle, and he has yeah. a very, very similar relationship to Venom, right? Blue, Blue Beetle is is um Blue Beetle's a really good example for anyone who's already in comics because mm-hmm. like outsiders to comics probably watched or at least is aware of the Venom movie happening, mm-hmm. whereas people who are in the superhero space, surely I've yelled at you about Young Justice. Surely, has that first season or that first half of that season hit Netflix for y'all yet? Uh, it's it's here. We're we're very careful about watching Young Justice. Uh, because what happens is we say, oh yeah, we'll watch an episode or two of Young Justice, and then it's four in the morning, and we we need to go to work in a couple of hours, and that's not good. Well, yeah, the, that's the other thing too, like, with the, like, the looming presence, because I think the Scarab in that area, like, that's the thing was like, they change each other, right? Because both the symbiote and the Scarab both start out as kind of antagonistic, and they slowly start to grow together. And they also have their own, like, separate lives. The symbiote didn't have this whole big thing of its own. We didn't know about the symbiote planet or the symbiote guard or, or anything yeah. else about the Clintar. But that that's, like, was retconned in. We start out with the Scarab having, like, this, like, outside thing. Like, oh, there's this other aspect. It's not going to be coming for you, Jaime. It's going to be coming for me. Because yeah. I am my own being with my own other contexts, you know? Uh, one one of the other things that's that's nice about it is like 
the Scarab has a imagery. Um, and it, like, it, it is a byproduct of the way that early comics tended to work, where it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's an Egyptian scarab. Sure, that'll do. That he found in the mountains of Colorado. Meh, why not? Um, because comics just tried that kind of stuff all the time and it was very silly. Um, whereas now, when they're stuck with, alright, it's a scarab, because scarabs are cool, and then that creates this whole implied structure of why the hell is this a scarab? <laughs> that, uh, and that's the other thing like, okay so I'm trying to because like right now we're talking about two versions of this sort of character where the superhero imagery and visuals are more or less tied to the passenger can you mm-hmm. think of any where the, where the passenger is almost entirely invisible right yes oh, okay yeah it, it, the, the passenger has an immaterial presence and the the ride for lack of a better term has the physical presence Mm-hmm. And also, like the, the like, it's not part of the like outward expression or the thematics or anything like that. You know, Venom is a face. Venom becomes Eddie's face. Yeah, and the Hulk becomes Bruce's face. Etrigan becomes Jason Blood's face. And here's a question for you: Is the Dark Phoenix a passenger? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, she doesn't really become Jean's face as much she, much as she becomes Jean's cleavage. Well, <laughs> but that's still the same idea, you know? Oh, like, yeah, she it be- is outward presentation. It's just the outward presentation difference between good Jean and bad Jean is one's got her tits out. Different type of presenting. <laughs> it's a shelf. But no, that that's because like that's always a central aspect of the character's thing if it's gonna be it's never an incidental aspect of like a character it's always no this yeah. is what they're all about and if it becomes yeah, a this, part of it and, and this is all they're about now like like venom with a gun <laughs> it's just not happening what do you tell him sorry i'm that's, now envisioning that, venom with a gun that's agent venom that's flash thompson <laughs> that's the worst you didn't know about oh, that i hate this i hate this so much <laughs> Oh wait, uh, wait, 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 wait! He's I, yo, Agent Venom was cool. I like, I like Flash with his like. Anyway, but no, now he's back as Agent Anti Venom. No, you know about Anti Venom, right? Yeah, yeah, he cures cancer. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so now that's weird because I, comics are dumb. My understanding of Anti Venom was Eddie loses the loses the symbiote, but like he had spent so much time with the symbiote in him. That it mutated his white blood cells, and they act as a symbiote. So did someone go and, like, tap Eddie Brock's bone marrow to inject that into Flash Thompson? Or is there something else going on? <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the central, um, structure of what a passenger lets you do is really valuable because it lets you have a lot of things, like, loner characters, storytelling-wise, are really useful because... It gives you some automatic limits, like this character can't do stuff that the character can't do. Uh, when you have the Bat Fam, you've got like 12 characters, all of whom are super competent at a whole bunch of different things. So when you do a Batman story, a lot of the time the, it's hard to contain Batman in any way because he can always call in a favor from one of the Bat Fam. And, and this isn't like, you know, this isn't a complaint. It's just like different storytelling tools, different levers you have for how you want to tell a story. Uh, and if you're wondering, yes, I absolutely did a, a levers gesture then, which makes me look like a really bad ski instructor. Anyway, um, the solo character story lets you have a, a character more or less contained by what one physical presence can do. And that's cool. And I like that. And then it lets you further give them someone to talk to and someone to argue with. And that can also be part of their limitations. Um, I mean, like, and the passenger used to be just, like, the way a lot of superheroes just worked. Um, like, originally Thor was a passenger in, uh, a Doctor. Well, now that's the question, because I haven't read a lot of early Thor, but I'm, there's this thing of, like, how much conversation, how much communication do the two parts have to do, have each other? I don't know if I recall that Do- Donald Blake and Thor, like, communicated. You're right. I don't remember that. No, I though, think it was like a Shazam does. thing, you know? Where they swap places. Though, Sometimes though, that's um, the Shazam Actually, no, thing. yeah, you're reminding me of a, of a connected one. 
um, in the, like, it's, <laughs> it's the only good thing, um, in Iron Fist Netflix period. <laughs> like, I was about to say in season, no, no, just period. Like, she's the only good thing, really. Um, Colleen Wing had potential to be good, but no. But, um, with the context of, of, uh, the idea of the passenger in, uh, Iron Fist season three, season two, um, and spoilers, but I don't care about giving you spoilers because you shouldn't watch Iron Fist season two. It's bad. It's, it's not good. Um, there is a character, um, called Mary Walker, who is their version of the comics character Typhoid Mary, who is a <sighs> crazy, in giant finger quotes, mercenary who was originally a daredevil villain. Um, and her gimmick was that her three personality, well, her two at first personalities and eventually three personalities all had significantly different demeanors and heart rates and manners of speech so much so that they were able to appear to be different people to uh, super senses daredevil which i i genuinely thought that was cool um and in the tv series they actually do a really good job of representing uh this character as having a passenger because they pass notes to one another like her house is covered in post-it notes as they leave each other like passive aggressive roommate messages <laughs> it because this is similar to, like, the Shazam thing. Like, does Shazam count? I don't know. That depends. Is Shazam a different person? Or is Shazam just big, large Billy? Right? And for that matter... Mm. When and, the- and, like, I like different versions of that. I I think that in the case of Shazam specifically, uh, he works out a lot better if he is just Billy ramped up. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I do think that there are other takes on that same idea where um, I am... I am a weak person whose job is keeping the vessel for this powerful person safe. I kind of like that. Like, there's also, um, okay, like, sometimes the wisdom of Solomon is just, like, a general knowledge and, intu- you know, intuition. And sometimes it's, like, a cloud of voices telling him things. Yeah. And, like, wh- how does that play here, right? And, <laughs> hell, in the Shazam movie, which was actually pretty cool. Haven't seen uh, it yet. Good movie. Uh, you mind if I, cause this comes into it, you mind if I say a little thingy here? Yeah, hey, go for it. So, uh, Dr. Savannah gets like the dead, the seven deadly sins, which is like in him. And like, yeah. when they're in him, he has like Shazam powers. But he can also like send them out to fight. So, in the climax of the film, when, uh, Billy like gives his Shazam powers to his family, he, you know, Shazavana spits out six of the sins and keeps one in him to, you know, s- you know, swing at Shazam while the kids all have a little fight scene. Uh, yeah, cool. And so, you know, I- I'm presuming in this, he uses the wisdom of Solomon to piss off Envy, which is the one inside. And he just keeps talking directly to Envy, you know, goading it. Yeah, you're weak, you're small, that's why you're hiding, yada yada. And then he comes out, and now Savannah's just a nerd, played by Tom Strong. Uh... <laughs> motherfucker's name is Tom Strong and he looks like that. <laughs> do do you have a problem with that? <laughs> ah, I prefer that Finn Wolfhard looks like a little kid because it's like, yeah, if you were a grown ass man named like Finn Wolfhard and you were like his name is Finn tall, Wolfhard. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that idea that you can engage with somebody but not directly engaging with them because you're not talking to them you're talking to the person inside them right yeah like he knew he knew that was just going to be him punching a guy just like him forever but he could affect the other factor like there's two factors in this narrative right it's like eddie brock is a big dude he could beat you up normally you know he's not weird and small or dying of cancer as he has been but Eddie Brock has his own things going on. You don't have to fuck with Eddie Brock directly to solve Venom, right? You can separate the parts. And yeah, and that's a, that's a really cool thing that you can do with the passenger. In that, when they are a when 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 they are a composite, that composition gives them a strength, which is two people working on the same problems. But it also gives them a weakness. And uh, like, there's so many different story problems and story and, and like social problems and just like things you can do with characters that the symbiote and the passenger let you highlight. Like, 
a lack of confidence Sorry, can be again. like m- metaphorized mm-hmm. perfectly with I'm not calling on the symbiote to do the things I need to do because I don't have the confidence that I can do it well. Um, and and you can actually have the character and the the passenger bicker about this, and you don't have to leave it implicit in the writing that this is a story about confidence or this is a story about loving yourself or stuff like that. You can you can just flat out make it text. I like you, Eddie. You're a loser like me. Yeah. I still find that funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's dumb as hell, but I find it hilarious. There are too many movies right now being dictated by the whims of what strange people find fuckable, and Venom and Loki are basically my personal points there. I, I understand Venom. There's like mechanical benefits to that. I don't get Vin, Loki. He looks dirty in a not fun way. He just looks greasy. He he looks there, there's a there's a there's a term that my nan used to describe a politician once once which was he looks like a long streak of piss and that's how loki looks to me like, y'all tell him he, just lending me all kind of weird scatological expressions today <laughs> yeah anyway uh i guess i guess because i've circled around it enough i probably should talk at least a little bit about uh like there is the obligatory mention of moon knight do you want to go in on the Moon Knight thing, or is it just fine the way it is? So, like, in the original run, or like the first volume one of Moon Knight, Jake Lockley, Stephen Grant, Moon Knight, Mark Spector didn't talk. And it was actually way less extreme than it would end up being, where he would just refer to himself as other people sometimes in, like, conversation. He's like, oh, Jake Lockett's gotta go, and oh, you don't talk... Like, things like that. It was way more subtle and way more, like, nuanced. He did have emotional breakdowns for other reasons, and it was, you know, tied to, oh, you're just generally unstable. But there was never... Like... It, it was multiple personality disorder, you know, DID, from the outside. So it would just... He would just come across as kind of weird. And then over time, as with most things, that became more and more extreme. My least favorite one, just because it's annoying and it's a Bendis-y thing, it was Bendis wrote this, where his ultimate personalities were represented as different major figures in the Marvel Universe. So, Spider-Man, uh, Captain America, and Wolverine. And they would talk to him. And then they would, like, take <laughs> over. And it's like, that's just fucking dumb on multiple levels, because I'm pretty sure Moon Knight hates all of those guys. And he would yeah. not look up to them and, like, be them in his mind, or personify... Not, like, Moon Knight hates those motherfuckers. And, and, like, these personas had names. And so, in later runs, this became more, like, explicit. Like, during the Huston run, uh, he never talked to other people, but Khonshu was a presence that would hang around him, and talk to him, and say things to him. And I was kind of on board with that, because, like, Maybe Khonshu's magic, right? Maybe Khonshu's real. And so, and there's a lot of implications that he was, including, like, very improbable things happening. Like, hey, hey, Mark, you woke up this morning and since you're on good with Khonshu, all your money just came back out of nowhere, right? Like, that's not saying that a god, like, manipulated the markets to make him rich, but it's not not saying that, right? Yeah. And and even pit real people... Like, would talk to him and be like, hey, man, I'm glad to see you on your feet. And Mark would say, yeah, Crawley, I'm glad you came and talked to me last week and helped me out. He's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) You know? And that was cool. I like Kanchu as a a mostly antagonistic but somewhat helpful being on his side. And it would never take him over. And, you know, it's dubious if Kanchu ever gave him powers. And that is to... It is and it isn't, right? Because, like, he doesn't become Kanchu. The way Eddie becomes Venom. But he's still wearing Khonshu on his face. Right? Sort of. Yeah. There's some steps removed, but it's still there. Anyway, and then Jeff Lemire was like, nah, kind of took, uh, I think it was Warren Ellis first, and then Jeff Lemire made it even stronger. And we're at this point where Jake Lockley, Stephen Grant, uh, Mark Spector, and Moon Knight, and Khonshu will be sitting in a room talking to each other and interacting, right? And making decisions. Yeah. Okay, you, Jake, we need you to come up and be mean now, right? Yeah, and and this is this isn't and like I don't I'm not wild about this, but this is still like a good example of what you can use the passenger for. 
it is it is a little complicated in the case of Moon Knight because a lot of the time Moon Knight is veering a while around wildly in the question of like how deniable is this? Does this actually exist? Is this is this real or is this the perceptions of Moon Knight? Who I is? Just wanna, I was thinking yeah. about this earlier, like yesterday, and the funniest thing is there's a long period of time, and I want to say it's in the mirror run where he is in an asylum that may or may not be real. Oh, or may it, cool. But no, no, cool, no, no, cool, no that's, cool. that's not the cool. That's not the bit. Wait for it. And they spent a lot of time playing up the idea that maybe there never was a Moon Knight, and it wasn't real, and he was all delusional inside this asylum. And they're like, he was in an Avengers team! <laughs> he was in other people's books doing shit! You can't play that routine! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it and, happened! And like, I, I mean, saw they it! Absolutely Daredevil saw it! They, abs- <laughs> they absolutely... <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah! I was waiting for you to catch that. <laughs> <laughs> So obvious, even Daredevil saw it. I like that. I like that as a metaphor. Um, so, uh, just to, just to, uh, as, as we wind towards the end here, though, uh, I would like to suggest a, a little exercise here, Clay. Right? There are, as City of Heroes has taught us, there are five basic origin points for a superhero. You're going quiet on me. I'm waiting on, I'm waiting, I'm here. I'm- okay, so there are five basic origin points for a superhero character. Uh, you have natural, mutation, science, magic, and tech. So, for each type, what kind of passenger do you like? Like, can you, can you name a character who you think would be well expressed by a particular origin? Okay, magic is obviously uh, Etrigan, you know? Yep. We didn't talk yep. that much about, but you know, fucking, uh, Ghost Rider, obviously. Yeah, Ghost Rider on- is an excellent example. Depending on how much Zarathos talks, but modern Ghost Rider with uh, his ghost uncle is a hard example, right? Yeah, yeah. And and, and a side order of like the passenger standing around in the back of his head, going, uh, "Can we uh, can we reap souls now?" Uh, science, you know, the Venom, the Hulk. Uh, yeah, the Hulk. The Hulk would have been my choice there because because I, I I like talking about the Hulk, and I kind of hinted at it. We didn't hit enough on the Hulk while we're, we got to, we got a little bit. That's what the point is. Like, like, we're going to expand on these. We're going to talk about these. But yeah. Um, uh, so you got magic and science. Tech, um, I would say either Cyborg or Blue Beetle. Depending yeah, Blue on a good one, how like much that. grid and mother box. Oh my God. I forgot about Negative Man. I remember saying, hey, we should talk about Negative Man. And I still didn't talk yep. about Negative Man. <laughs> yep. Negative Man is fantastic because he can't. In this, I should place it. In this show, he doesn't understand the negative entity. It's an energy being that <laughs> does not speak words. Sometimes it can go into his brain, but it still doesn't look him in the face and talk to him. It has to communicate to him via elaborate dream sequences where he has to kind of get at the intent. You know? Yeah. Man, but negative other- man's aesthetic is such a you character. And the other thing <laughs> is. The thing about I haven't seen you playing this, this in City of Heroes. Is that fucking negative? Well, I've been trying to get someone to be like a stand and a user with me at some point, but people are always like, mm. "Yo, it'd be great." And one of them could just be a stalker, and the other could be corrupted. And anyway, anyway, yep. anyway the cool thing on. about Negative Man is, like, as a superhero, when he uses the entity, the entity goes out, and does the work. He's just carrying it around, kind of like you said, a weaker vessel for his stronger source of power, like. When it's time to do negative man shit, he just falls to the ground and the entity comes out and flies around and zaps stuff. Right? Yeah. Like and that's Captain the- Planet. Well, no, because those kids are still walking around. Can they use their rings while are he's they, out? Are they? Are they? No, they can't use their rings while he's out. But they can do stuff. I can't, yeah. I can't believe my knowledge of the Captain Planet metaphysical lore has actually come up. Holy crap. Don't they do things? Haven't they ever, like... Dropped a crane on a bad guy to help Captain America or something. I feel like that happened. Anyway, moving on. Well, anyway, nigga, I asked you a question. <laughs> the point Do- is, negative man, Doom Patrol, cool things, not me knowing about the Planeteers. Have the Planeteers ever engaged in an action sequence alongside <laughs> Captain America in some fashion? Not alongside Captain America, no. Not Captain America. Damn it! Captain Planet. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Please insert 25 cents to keep talking. <sighs> Point is, 
Point is, you have characters like Negative Man, yeah. Right. And that's like, like, obviously they, they fit within this paradigm we've established. But is it, like, the dynamics are completely different because, again, like, Negative Man is, I mean, he's just carrying around the actual superpower to do stuff, right? He's a vessel. And, like, the similar thing with Etrigan, right? Or anybody, anybody who transforms completely, really, right? Yep. And, if we're going natural, um, when it comes to when it comes to natural, though, uh, I was one one thing I was noticing was that when it comes to characters who you could file as natural in this take, like they're mostly villains. Really, like and it's ob- obviously a mental health thing, right? Yeah, like obviously the the absolute leader on that front, like I said, was probably Typhoid Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she has but- superpowers. Well, yeah, yeah, she does now. I she think does she's sometimes. A mute, isn't she? Yeah, it, so, and, and that varies wildly. And there's a couple. There's also the deeply unfortunate transphobic uh, animus, where the whole point is hot girl turns into big, ugly, bald monster man, uh, and Deadpool says things that make you go, oh, "I was having fun. Why is that yeah. a typhoid Mary thing?" Uh, no, no, no. Uh, t- typhoid Mary. Uh, fought Animus. I think it's Animus. It might be Vanimus. It, it's it's a really not a good name. Um, but in a Deadpool book. Mm. Um, and and like yeah, it it was it was a very uh, unfortunate cheesecakey kind of story. Um, that then went all you know gross when it was like, haha, she's actually a dude. Oh, God, here we are. <sighs> um. I think that Iron Fist's version of Mary Walker is a really good example and is also kind of heroic. Like, she winds up working for the right side of that story, even if the right side does also feature Danny, and Danny sucks. <laughs> it, hmm. <laughs> but, like, like, the thing, like, the other one is the ventriloquist, right? Like, that's pretty Yeah, good. but the thing about that's, it is- That's so- where I was going to wind up. I, I, was one, I was wondering who were going to bring up puppets again. Oh, it, it never leaves, man. You, you do. Yeah, but like, Look, it's a natural gravity. Is haunted, depending. Yeah, like sometimes it's made from the tree, like a hangman's tree, right? And that's why it's evil. But other times, yeah. Arthur Wesker, I think his name is just a, just like a weirdo, just a weed, a big weenie, and he, and he's being pushed mm-hmm. around by the ghosts. But yeah. other times, and it's sometimes just... he's a deeply mentally am- damaged guy. Hmm. Um, well, I mean, there's also the fact that the dummy has been passed around by different people, and different people have, uh, have ventriloquisted. Uh, I should, of all people, I should have a term for that. Uh, but different people have puppeteered the marionette, and the, the personality of the dummy is consistent, but also not particularly complicated. Yeah, that's it, right? Like, anybody could pretend to be Scarface. Oh man, do you want to see something hilarious related to Scarface? Mm, is this the is this the Jessica Rabbit ass girl they got you know piloting him now? Oh, I didn't know about that. No, I was going to show you the ventriloquist from the Batman. <laughs> so for that's those of you, yeah, okay, go on. That really happened. So for those of you who don't know, in the Batman, ventriloquist is what we know him to be. And then after like one or two appearances, he's like, man, fuck it, and builds a big ass robot. And then the robot, <laughs> and so the robot is just a giant Scarface, and he sits in the robot's hand, and they antagonize Batman for a bit. <laughs> I wouldn't say Batman calls his big ass robot that he uses in that show to fight it, like he did with Bane, which is probably yeah. Crazy. But <laughs> so, like, what what what's I, the uh, there? <laughs> what one of the things one of the things you've got to do while you're while, while we're talking about this stuff? There's a lot of on the fly research, like. Um, like, the ventriloquist at one point was not just the Scarface marionette and whatnot. Uh, they did split that off. Uh, Gail Simone, uh, who I'm, I'm a bit of a mark for Gail Simone stuff, so, you know, I, I probably should have known about this. But, um, she transplanted the ventriloquist character to another character called Shauna Belzer, but she was, like, a psychic. So, you know, you have creepy puppets moving on their own, and that's its own thing. But I love that the wiki lists for her... <laughs> <laughs> the wiki lists her uh, uh, alignment as bad. 
<laughs> but yeah, um, Peyton well, is she Riley. bad or are the puppets bad? No, no, she she is she is uh not well. Uh, she she's definitely like your creepy ghost girl. But no, um, oh yeah, between yeah, I see that. between Wesker and Belza, there was Peyton Riley, and Peyton Riley is basically like a blonde stage assistant style Jessica Rabbit lady who's piloting the Scarface dummy. So this is an interesting one because it implies the idea of a passenger that can be passed from person to person. And in the context of Batman, it's it can be implied that this is just three people sharing a particular uh, mental disorder. Uh, I mean, depending now, on who be- you ask, most of the Batfleet movie all has the same like issues and just choose to express them in the same way, right? Like they're all doing the same thing. So it's not unreasonable that some things would do. I mean, it's very easy to point to um, Jason Todd, Dick Grayson, and Bruce Wayne as all having survivor's guilt. Yeah. Oh, that's like a New 52 thing, isn't it? I'm sorry, I'm just looking at more of this. Yeah, yeah, Peyton Riley is a New 52 thing. Yeah. But that... Eh, obviously, like, there are anyway. no coincidences in, like fiction where you can like i mean there can be coincidences if somebody comes back and says oh nah it was all a coincidence but like in the fucking books right like there's meant to be some there there especially if she's using psychic powers to move the puppets around right and that implies that at least the original scarface had something else going on there right um for those of you who've ever seen the flash show uh they do this with killer frost for a while there where uh, Caitlin Snow is, you know, Barry's friend, and Killer Frost is a separate personality, right? And who is nominally on their team, but you know, she's like the mean yeah. girl. And they do have this long period of time where she, like, Killer Frost is her powers, and her powers are Killer Frost. So when she loses them, she like feels kind of lost because she like began communicating with this friend of hers, you know, over time. Like they yeah. developed a friendship. It was a traumatic experience to lose it for a while, you know? And by the way, I'm not going to lie, I this is one of the ways in which the Flash TV show is extremely silly. <laughs> it is a Flash TV show. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, yeah, you got me on that front. <laughs> and, uh, before we finish winding down here, I mm-hmm. do want to talk at length about Keldians. Yes. And... I, now that I just said that, also, the Circle of Thorns. Because I remember you bringing that up a while. Was it you talking about, Yeah, like, it was me. How did the Thorns get arrested? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so uh, because City of Heroes is just woven into the fabric of who we are as people, um, for anyone not paying attention to City of Heroes or doesn't know the lore or anything, in City of Heroes, there is an enemy faction group who you will start dealing with from level 5 onward called the Circle of Thorns, who are... Uh, spooky looking cult motherfuckers with hoods and glowy eyes and they do magic and they summon ghosts and they're just generally doing spooky stuff like you'll see them out in Paris parks summoning people uh, you know putting people in summoning circles and like and you go beat them up Um, and over time you learn that the circle of thorns is the same group of about 2000 souls who are an ancient civilization that have basically existed by keeping by by capturing people, yeeting their souls out of their bodies, and then taking over the body and just like passengering it onward. And that and, I recall, they accomplish this by stabbing you in the chest with a magic thorn from an evil tree. Yeah, yeah, from a haunted, definitely super haunted tree. Yeah. Um. And by the way, there are there are characters in this who are minions who are like you know brand new, weak, kind of not very strong mages, and they don't have special powers. Can you imagine that? Like, yeah, I've been a minion for a couple of thousand years. Like, the promotion... Crossbow. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, the the route for promotion is pretty shit for me, honestly. Now, that's uh, the thing, right? Any... Like, this is just, like, debating. Okay, so, does your soul get promoted, or does your body get promoted? Well, yeah, there's a question. Like, who's answering these questions? What's the org chart for the uh, the Circle of Thorns? Is there a is there a performance review system? Do you get to report on your boss? Is there are there HR complaints? No, no, like um, if you're ju- like if you're Karathos the, the Great, right, and you get stabbed in a Jimmy Loser, are you now down at the bottom again? Like, excuse me, I'm like 12 million years old, and like just five years ago, I was running this organization. Then my body well, died, and you put me there in this was, fuckhead. There was a plot arc villain side which was about that about 
getting a soul that was waiting around, stabbing it into a body, and immediately it just starts wrecking shit. Mm. Um, uh, but they're also like binding rituals and stuff. It's it's comic books. It's great. I love it. Um, but at the high level end of the game, there is a uh, there is a um a, a recurrent game system you can do where you just do missions where. Like, the game just automatically generates a couple of, like, superhero-y things for you to do, like rescue this person or defeat this person or retrieve this object. Um, and they're known as newspaper missions or, or um, police scanner missions. And the thing is, it uses a standardized structure, and one of the standardized structures is such and such has escaped from jail and needs apprehending. And if that's a, this member of the council, a group of fascists, has escaped from jail, or this member of Arachnos and an extra governmental agency that's invading the country has escaped from jail or, or this Malta who was effectively the CIA have escaped from jail. That all makes some sense. It's when they say paralysis of the circle of thorns has escaped from jail, which implies that these cultists who are like ghosts meet puppeting around people. They've like captured, like they're just getting put in a jail cell. Well, and, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, it's like, well, like if you don't pick the plug out, right? You think the, 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 the let's see, does the thorn stay in? Well, that's the thing. We know that the thorns bail on bodies. <laughs> so, so you, and, and and sometimes when they bail on the body, the ghost of the person who was who owned that body can get back into it. That happens in one of the plot arcs, oh, which creates the image. Right creates Poor the asshole image waking of, up in prison. <laughs> you wake up in prison. It's like, oh my god, I got my body back, and I've got this massive scar in the middle of my chest from where someone just stabbed me, and. What do you mean I'm facing 10 years? That I feel like there would be laws about that. Yeah, there better be. But that's though. the Circle of Thorns. Yes. Uh, and that's a villainous example of like a, a forceful passenger or a kidnapping. But what about the Keldians, Clay? What can you tell me about the Keldians? So, okay, in City Heroes, there are these kind of like, this is what they call an epic architect. You get it after reaching a certain level. Except now, I think we just get them. Um, which are like energy beings that have no physical form, but can embody, like, uh, take, uh, uh, excuse me, inhabit the bodies of living beings. And how that works in terms of consciousness is very flexible, it would seem. So, mm. uh, first of all, there are evil Keldians called Nictus, or uh, mm-hmm. in the game, you can play them as uh, warshades. They're just bad. Yes. They'll just take you. And for some reason, this they corrupts their slurp. energy. Yeah. And makes it They bad. drink your soul like a chocolate phosphate. And you can play a good Warshade, who I guess did this for several decades, generations. And it's like, eh, I don't know, maybe not. And decide to be a good guy. And so you have this redeemed villain arc, you know, narrative around you. And then there are uh, Peacebringers who are just good Nick, just good Chaldeans who willingly, like, willingly fuse with somebody or maybe fuse with somebody who's already dead because didn't Horace have that happen to him in the comic? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, a Keldian can even fuse with a corpse. Yeah. Which is probably... Is that more or less ethical than asking? Yeah. <laughs> like, is it, is the Keldian's like, uh, can I, can I get up in there? You seem like you're about to die. That seems cool, right? Although, it also seems like you're asking somebody to do something for you under duress, right? Almost like you're holding them hostage. But, like, if they're dead, should you ask their family? Would you imagine if, like, a light ball came to your house? Uh, excuse me, I very much need this corpse. Yes. Uh, uh, pardon fuck? <laughs> yeah. But- Kel- Keldians were also super cool, um, because, like, they they very much pushed the metaphor, the, the idea of them being, like, light entities, so and and they memorized the bodies that they had been in so that they were travel from world to world and when you got a keldian symbiote in you you could take on the forms of that previous body like previous bodies that it had had because they were all just pure energy so it would turn you into energy and you could be like a drifting space squid or a giant honking like crab lobster thing that was and cool then, you know now that i'm thinking about it so we have I mean, obviously, gameplay implies that the Keldians had, like, a long-establishing relationship with these two species, right? You know what that reminds me of? And I do want to get back to the Keldian do conversation. Tell. But kind of reminds me of the Yurks. Yes. And that is a thing, right? Like, for, for 
I, I don't know why you would know who I am and not know who the Animorphs are, but in Animorphs, there were, the Animorphs book series, there were these species of alien brain slugs who would squeeze into your ear, drill into your head, and wrap themselves around your brain and take you over. And they first learned how to do this because, like, a monkey on their planet called a Ged just fell in a pool, I guess, and they like, oh, okay. Yeah. And they took over these kind of shitty, vaguely ape-like monkeys, and that's, like, how they to gain dominance over their planet, but not very much. And then some other aliens came along and made a terrible mistake and gave them spaceflight. And then they went to other planets to take over other more dangerous aliens. And yeah. So, uh, and one of the things that they describe in that book is that the the Yerk process made you into a passenger in your own body. Mm-hmm. It wasn't unconscious. You had to to sit there and watch. Yeah, it was a big, like, body horror, like, locked-in syndrome type of thing, or possession type of thing, where they were very explicit, because we have at least one character who was forcibly taken over by Yurk, and we get to hear his experience, which amounts to being trapped in a corner in a room in your mind, and just screaming, you know? And then we have one person, like, when they meet nice Yurks, like, Yurks who are trying to, like, change things, and part of it is like, I have to be allow myself to be Yurked to get into this place. And that's a bit different. Yeah. But it seems like they can't get in your head without taking over. Yeah, like a- no, it's it is a lengthy uh a, a lengthy conversation and quite uh, uh challenging. Um the the original idea was that there was a uh ability to make to We gonna get into Animorphs lore at this point? Alright, so so there was an attempt to let the um Yerks um shapeshift to mean that they didn't need hosts anymore, which was a really foolish idea that went badly for everyone involved. Did it? I think that was an ending thing. They're like, all of the non-evil Yurks decided, yeah, we'll be whales. Because it sucks to be a Yurk, by the way, folks. No eyes, you have like a vague sonar sense, and you're a slug. Like, actual slug slice slug. So, like, that's part of why they started taking stuff over, because they liked not being slugs. And I know, like, a lot of the, like, freedom fighter yurks were like, hey, look, you can morph us into, like, whales or something, and we'll stay for two hours, and then we'll just be whales. And, but that was way at the end. There is obviously Visser 3, who should not be allowed to do that. But, um, like, back to Keldians, the lore of how Keldians work is very flexible, because in the comics, there's a guy named Horus, and he spends a long time vaguely, like, pretending to be Iron Man almost, with like a, like a Egyptian theme. And he goes, yeah, and then something happened during the Richter War, and I haven't been quite right ever since, but like, I don't remember much of it. And like, yeah. it gets to be that he doesn't remember much of anything about himself, and like, he's basically just like bullshitting through his own life. Like, you know, going off of like family photos and st- <laughs> I'm sorry, I just saw that picture of Titty Ventriloquist. Um... <laughs> <laughs> But, like, he doesn't seem to know anything, and it comes to find out that he's a Keldian, he's a peacebreaker, and so, like, he's an entirely different person. The reason his machines don't work is because he's not really using them, he's just, like, shooting energy out, and it goes through machines somehow. And, like, it's a whole thing, so it's like, are Keldians, willing ones at least, uh, passengers in that sense? Or are they just, like, an unusual type of consciousness? And different players played that differently. Right? Yeah, and and the main thing that the game was able to tell us after that point was, sort of. Yeah, like a lot of people got the idea that once you fuse with a a, a, a Keldian, you're a different person entirely. But wasn't there a, a Star Trek episode about that where like two people get like smushed together in the uh, like the teleporter, and then they're like, "No, I'm a new person now. Don't separate me. I'll die." You know. <laughs> Yeah. I am a new person. You can't separate me. That would be killing me. And then they separate him. <laughs> and that, and that right there is some good old fashioned sci-fi writing and some questions about where you fall on the ideas of the boundaries of personhood. Uh, and indeed that gets into all sorts of interesting conversations that wind up taking us into places like the abortion debate, uh, which is all very complicated and probably not appropriate to go into too hard in this situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was trying to keep it in, like, a ship of Theseus sort of situation, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that's some talk and some thoughts on the idea of the passenger. 
inexplicably, we managed to mostly circle around the Hulk, despite the fact that the Hulk as a passenger is like one of the most powerful metaphors they've used for the character in the past couple of years. We got maybe uh, ten more minutes if you want to knock that down. Well, I mean, I haven't seen Endgame yet, and oh. I understand they kind of shit all over the best idea they had. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. So, uh, like, and I was already mad about how they handled the Hulk in the context of uh, of of Infinity War. So if they also fucked it up in Endgame, like, I guess it would be kind of, yeah, well, to be expected. It's even weirder because they fucked it up in fucking... Both of those movies fucked up Thor Ragnarok's whole story arc for both Thor and the Hulk. So... Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we'll we'll get back to that another time, possibly in another Hulk episode. Because we've done one before. Kind of. That's what the science monster was, really. Eh. But there's always more Hulk to go around. Which is just, it's just a disappointment, because there's a lot of Hulk material, and most of it doesn't get out of the comics. <laughs> Welcome to comics. Anyway, so that was From the Rooftops, a podcast about superheroes. As ever always, that was Clay. That was Tyler. And uh, Clay, mm. um, what kind of uh, passenger status do you think Dracula has if he turns into mist and Blade inhales him? Oh, actually, Blade is immune to vampiric possession. That was actually one of his first, very few powers when he first started out. So, that probably wouldn't happen. Oh, good. Glad, glad we heard that. 